Hello, everybody. This is the Value Line Observer, brought to you by the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. And uh, this week's, uh, every week we come to you with our uh, uh, infused, candid, candid, candid views, views on uh, this week's stocks and the Value Line Investment Survey. Yes, sir, we do. Uh, we're both uh, working Wall Street professionals. with And uh, have been for uh, an long, exceedingly long, long time. time. Really, I don't want to get into the no. exact amount of time. And, uh, Long freaking time. We uh, we do this in an effort to uh, you know we like to get together and talk stocks and we uh, we thought we'd share it with everybody else and we that, drink. Uh, we can't do that we during the week. We take on secret identities because if we if we did this and our bosses knew about it, well you know they wouldn't like. Oh, it. we'd be fired yeah, immediately. Yeah, of course. It. So yeah. Um, so um, you know, but we want to uh, give back. We want to give back something. Give That's back why we the... take these risks <laughs> to bring you these important views on this week's. Value line edition. That's right. What do you and, say? And so Isn't if you want to learn more about us and why we, uh, you know, why we wear masks, why we risk and life, disguise and our voices, and uh, but why we have capes and wear hats, and why we have capes, um, please visit our website at www.thevalueguys.com, and you can yes, read sir. more about us and find archive shows there. And uh, hopefully, you'll uh, be entertained because that's the point of this. We're not. Uh, Right, entertainment purposes yeah, right. only. We're not responsible we have to for anybody make taking that any disclosure. advice here. We're just doing this for entertainment. And we may own um, all the stocks we talk about, or none of them, or a mixture of them, and you all have I tend no to idea. Own them well, we tend to tell I, people when yeah, we own them. I tend to own them when I talk yeah. about them. All right. Absolutely. So this week, uh, I'm going to uh, talk about some uh, uh, real brand names in what I would call somewhat um, um, safer realms of technology. And, uh, or service-oriented uh, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, maybe, with some, some reasonable valuations. Uh, uh, this is sort of electrical week in Value Line. They have electrical equipment, electronics, semiconductor, semiconductor capital equipment, computers and peripherals, office equipment, which these days are small computers too. So it's uh, it's all electrical stuff this week. And uh, But first, I'm going to my partner, Val Hughes. Yes. Is going to oh. uh, lead off this week. So <laughs> Thank you. I don't Thank know, what, you. what are you doing? Well, you know what? I'm just I'm I like to go in order because it's nice if people who get the value line investment survey just kind of makes it easier pa to pass, you know, go along with okay. us here. That's how I look at it. And so uh, the first one up this week, it is Electrical Week, and so you know people have this feeling that America is uh, uh, you know losing share in some of these areas, and you see there's fewer workers in industry and all that. But when you look at the at the big numbers, uh, the productivity in some of these industries is amazing. The U.S. continues to lead in almost all these industries listed here today, uh, even with fewer workers. It's just higher productivity. And so you get attracted to some of these things in here. There's some great names of American technology in here. Uh, but I go in order. So my first one is a very interesting story uh, this week, Franklin Electric, F-E-L-E. -E. Now, I own this. I'm looking at the value line sheet, and I realize I actually didn't m mark anything on here. So you're going to be sort of going along with me on the sheet. That makes it more exciting. Yeah, it's kind of exciting because who like knows how it might show. actually turn out. Well, here's the background <laughs> story to Franklin Electric. Evidently, they make about the best motors in the pump world. So if you have big swampy areas that need to be pumped out, and I'm talking on a very massive urban scale or national scale, then you might get any number of pumps, but they're all going to tend to have Franklin Motors. They have about 90% market share in motors, but the end markets are built around brands and pumps. In which their, In their markets, okay. They in their markets, yeah. that's, that's right. And I guess there's guys that do stuff that's even 
bigger than than they do but uh they they have a, a meaningful position in the sort of mid market for industrial pump work in energy and industrial water well, all I, kinds I think, of underwater use especially water yeah. yeah water and so uh it's something very interesting is happening their motors were being branded with ITT pumps and Pentair pumps and being sold under the brands Pentair and ITT. Well, Franklin Electric had the view that it was really their motor that was selling the pumps. And so they took this bold move under new management about a year ago, and they issued uh, a release that they were going to go off on their own and stop selling pumps to ITT and Pentair. This went to federal court, and it turned out that they had a standstill agreement and all that, and it was January 1st, 2007, when they could sell these pumps uh, and motors on their own. So that's happening right now. It's right now in the marketplace. Franklin Electric is taking their well-regarded motor. They're no longer selling it to ITT and Pentair. Those two firms have formed their own motor company. Franklin has formed their own pump company, and they're out trying to win distribution and win it's market share. Like Pitt or the pump company? It pent or uh, you know, I forgot <laughs> to read the value line sheet here. Maybe they mention it, but they bought a pump company that was small. They're making it bigger, broadening out the line of pumps. In any case, you have really a battle for distribution, and if they truly have the best uh, pump motor, which we've done some you know fair amount of research and we believe they do, then you know they're apt to be on every distribution shelf. Maybe the share of the pump itself gets spread around. But uh, distribution uh, themselves may start marrying up Franklin Motors to ITT pumps, even if the OEMs can't do it themselves. So they may continue to get market share, and importantly, all the pumps they sell are now going to be at full price instead of selling them at a discount to the OEM. So it's a very exciting time. The company historically has put up some great returns on capital, which is why I'm it's even talking about this. You know, mid-teens, they're moving higher. If this strategy works, they're going to move even higher. They have uh, low debt. 17% at the cap. They're trading at um, a bit of a premium. So I'm not going to table pound this as a you got to own it right now. Actually, I kind of got into the story. I own it lower personally, but it's at about, uh, you know, 13, 14 times cash flow per share and maybe 16, 17 times free cash flow. That's a little higher than I like, but I think over the next two years you're going to have a real pop in growth simply because you're going to get sounds like it's around market price. Right? Yeah, oh, it's it's a it's a it's about the market multiple, but you may have a surge here just from the margin expansion related to them getting full price versus wholesaler price. And in any case, I think it's a real interesting battle to watch in the marketplace as they try to grab share. It's What's a real slugfest. F E L E. Go read about it. Okay. Oh, good. Uh, next up, W W Granger. Uh, ticker GWW, uh, rated four by Value Line. I own Granger. Uh, this is sort of a good times, bad times distributor of industrial products. They are a leading provider of maintenance, repair, and operating supplies, services, and related information. Uh, thesis is at this point in the cycle, capacity utilization continues to move higher, and so things break down more. Uh, you're in full swing in terms of uh, incremental margin, so it's expensive to have machines not working, and they increasingly aren't working because you're running them more because uh, the economy keeps growing at a faster pace than you're adding to your equipment, and it's, you know, getting older and being depreciated. And hence, that's when W.W. Granger uh, earns their, their money because they can deliver a part for a million-dollar machine. The part might cost $1,000, and they might charge 500 for delivery because their customer doesn't want the big machine not operating. The thing right now sells at just a tad over 10 times gross cash flow. Um, 
they do a fair amount of CapEx just in terms of building uh, regional distribution. And right now, one of the things that drives growth here is the uh, rollout of, of uh, increasing numbers of distribution facilities that will carry the types of products and equipment that a local industrial market needs. And it's something that they uh, only really came to uh, a few years ago in terms of building this out aggressively. During the early part of you know, th this uh, decade, they really built out their Internet presence, and so they also have a very established proprietary software system in terms of ordering you know, millions of types of things online so and getting them the next day. You're telling me that they basically seeded a big piece of the uh, potential market to Fastenal. <laughs> Who was busily putting up little facilities and really small? Well, I think Fastenal kind of drove them place. to rethink their strategy. Yeah. You know, okay. instead of coming to us when you need something, maybe we better go to you. And so they've done that effectively. Now, Fastenal has been great as well. I think it trades at quite a bit of a premium oh, to Granger. Yeah, so I can't buy Fastenal, but these guys are. Uh, right now, expanding, this is just Value Line, expanding the company's presence in 25 major metropolitan markets, uh, moving to Houston, St. Louis, Tampa, Phase 4, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Kansas. I mean, this isn't uh, necessarily the fastest growing population areas, but existing industrial customers are there. That's going to help their, uh, their sales. And, of course, existing stores are gaining growth uh, at a faster than GDP rate simply because Granger's efficiencies continue to drive market share gains, and that's been going on a long time. Now, Value Line doesn't mention it here, but I seem to recall that Granger has established a relationship in China, and as China, you know, industrial growth continues to outpace the U.S., and they really need to bring economies of scale and efficiencies to their distribution pipelines over there, uh, Granger has a lot of proprietary technology software um, to uh, help in that effort and gain share. So I think there's a little bit of a story here in gaining some share of what China's doing, uh, but you don't need that to buy the stock. It's a 13% discount to the S&P. Uh, you get a little yield here, 2%, and it's, you know, just a tad over 10 times cash flow, 12% debt. Uh, value line themselves here says 12.5% earnings growth the next, you know, whatever, three to five years. Isn't there a little bit of a story here, too, uh, around the idea of uh – institutional sentiment about management's credibility and competence. There was a time when there were greater questions about that, and they've, they appear to have sort of cured that with better performance. And so there's well, an opportunity uh, maybe to get some You know, I could buy into that a little bit. Do <clears throat> higher multiples than it does now? Uh, if you go back a ways, what let's about, like, see late here. 90s kind of time well, time. sure, it used to trade at a premium in the late 90s, uh, but uh, that was on depressed earnings because what oh. happened is people started to fear really the rise of the Internet back in those days, which isn't that long ago. But, you know, there was a time when Drugstore.com had a bigger market cap than all the physical drugstores, and there was a fear that Granger's physical plant, you know, couldn't compete in a world where everything was a click away. But I think in the mass hysteria that went on during that time, people you know, didn't realize that you couldn't email uh, you know, a, 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 a gear to somebody, or you couldn't fax, uh, you know, a hammer. And so it turned out that while Granger was fear, fearful, they spent enormous sums on a giant Internet 
initiative so they could have the best, fastest, quickest, easiest to use internet site probably before the traffic was really there. And that impaired their earnings and their ROI at that time because they just invested as if their life depended on it. And actually it didn't. It was mass hysteria. But now, fast forward six years, they've been able to pull back the throttle on their CapEx and software because they built it out so much at that time. And it really has proven to be a competitive advantage as the rest of the industry, in terms of customer demand, has caught up with their capabilities. So uh, you're exactly I right. I had an idea you had knew yeah, I knew about the story. Than you I knew were. a little about yeah. that. All right, Granger. I think that's a buy. Go buy it. It's a long-term hold and buy. and. And no table pounding aspect to it, except it's nice to pick it up at a discount. It could trade at a premium again, particularly if this China story catches on a little bit. Okay, uh, page 1062. How are we doing on time, Page Vern? numbers. Page numbers. We're doing okay. We're okay. at the 12 minute mark. 12 minutes. Wow. Okay. We've got some new technology working this week. I'm kind of excited it's about it. It's very exciting. Anyway, Intel, page 1062. This is a great American brand now that they built themselves, Intel inside. And, you know, that's a case study at Harvard Business School now, how they managed to do that. They, they created basically a commodity product, invented it, got hooked up with, uh, you know, the whole Microsoft thing, took on the IBM PC. The rest is history. They have, a, you know, majority of the chip uh, demand in PCs as a result of the monopoly that Microsoft had in PCs, et cetera, basically stole that. Intel and Microsoft market caps really arguably both belong to IBM, and they just gave it away. But in any case, Intel enjoys this semi-monopoly. They, they earn in the mid to upper teens on return on capital. That tells you they have something special going on. Um, in recent years, and I've talked about this before, there's some fear that particularly this year, that AMD, Advanced Micro Devices, is gaining share on them and the growth rates aren't there. Well, that's certainly been the case, and I've been wrong on Intel this year, judging by the chart. Um, and so uh, I would just suggest that while AMD has had a couple of generations here work out okay, that Intel is a massively bigger company than AMD. I actually didn't bring the AMD sheet today, so I can't quote you exact Oops. numbers. I know. But I, I did these last time or a couple shows ago, <clears throat> a couple months ago, and at that time, Intel was spending five times the R&D dollars of AMD. Uh, and they also have the budget to hire away the best scientists from AMD at any price. And so in terms of a long-term, you know, marathon, uh, AMD just doesn't have the horsepower to keep up with Intel's massive R&D budget. Not only that, Apple, who I think is really a competitor here now to Windows in a way they never were, uh, just recently went to Intel. So both the PC and uh, you know, Mac worlds are predominantly Intel. AMD has a couple of nice chips on some servers here, but I just don't think they can keep up. <clears throat> also, AMD, from a financial point of view, is having trouble keeping up. Each year, even though they're spending 20% of the uh, R&D budget of Intel, they're spending more on R&D than they earn. So AMD's been cash flow negative for about five years. Uh, that doesn't seem to be changing, even with their little bit of success here. So Intel at uh, what appears to be 10 times two, you know, 2007 cash flow, admittedly 20 times free cash flow, uh, but that CapEx is down from a couple years ago, and I think that, uh, you know, once they come out with a couple new generations, there will be some price opportunity for Intel. They generally take that uh, when they can. They just they can't do that right now. Um, they have been uh, buying back shares, so you have a management that's really focused well on uh, 
you know, total return of the shareholder. They have almost no debt, 6% debt to cap. And, uh, you know, Value Line here has them rated 3, has earnings growth going forward at 7.5%. I just think that's not right. You know, PC growth is faster than that, and these guys are not apt to lose share the way they have in the last couple of years. So I'm a buyer of Intel. I NTC, just put it away, page 1062. And then finally, I just have one more today, Vern, or do I have two more? Uh, I guess two more. Two. Anyway, uh, IBM. Is two too many? IBM, ticker IBM, uh, page 1111. That may be a sign. 1111. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, IBM was a stock I really haven't liked for, honest to God, 15 years. I was in a meeting, people discussing IBM in 19, you know, I don't even want to say when it was, 15, 20 years ago. And it was obvious that Windows was going to gain share. And Windows, you know, between Windows and Intel, they'd taken this thing from IBM. IBM got fat and happy. And uh, the machines went down in price. You had the mini computer. The microcomputer was a problem. And so you didn't really have to own IBM for the last 10 years if you look at the relative valuation chart. But this whole time, IBM has sort of been morphing into a service company. Uh, we just talked about the fact that capacity utilization in some of these uh, uh, markets is starting to move higher. Equipment needs servicing. IBM, I think now, is over 50% uh, services. In fact, global service is 52%. Hardware now is just 27% revenues at IBM. And Global Financing, three. They're not a big finance company. I think they spun that out at one point. And Software, 17. Uh, they're an enormous company. They got $95 billion in revenues, and yet they're still earning 20% returns on capital. Um, you can buy this thing right like now for utility nine times cash flow. Well, it's a little bit like a public utility, except uh, earnings are going to grow at uh, Value Line, says 10.5%. That may be low because, you know, the whole – movement to outsourcing and ongoing maintenance and buying into upgrade cycles and all that. IBM is just there as a service machine. They have the trust of everybody. You know, they invented the PC business as we know it today and then gave it away as if that wasn't a good deed to everybody. Now, Value Line rates them too, and I'm not always on their side, but, um, you know, this one, it's a 16% discount to the market. It's a better situation than the market and uh, I'm a buyer of IBM right now, IBM 1111 page number. And finally, kind of a drive-by, Pitney Bowes, PBI, post office. Uh, yeah, value a- line highlights it this week, actually. Do they? Okay. Acquisitions and a switch to digital mailing systems are boosting Pitney Bowes' top and bottom lines. Turn to page 1134, exactly. Well, okay. Pitney Bowes, uh, you know, it's in every mailroom in America. Uh, they figured out how to sort of load it up, you know, remotely through the Internet now. It's 11% like, aren't they discount. Like Kodak? I mean, don't they, don't they have like a cash machine that's been completely I think, obsoleted? I think that, uh, well, one thing is they don't have any competition, whereas Kodak well, had competition. No <laughs> Japanese companies <laughs> are going to be helps. getting in business with the U.S. Postal Service, <laughs> I don't think. They have some kind of, you know, long-term arrangement. Now, granted, that could that could change, but... Uh, they continue to earn enormous returns here. Well, not enormous, but mid to upper teens. Um, very high returns on equity in the 60s. That's not sustainable. But this thing is 78% debt to cap right now, which is one thing I like about it. Because when you have a highly levered utility, in effect, um, the confidence in the cash flows is high. And so you're going to get an above average return for the leverage because you don't have the volatility and 
pre-tax earnings that you might at a cyclical industrial company or something like that. These guys have a very stable earnings and revenue flow going back for, you know, 20 years, uh, and they're selling right now at about nine times cash flow, you know, 13 times free cash flow, 27% operating margins. Who can argue with that? That's a great number. And uh, what else? Value Line says they're going to grow 7.5% going forward. I think that's probably fair. So you earn, you know, a 10% cash on cash return plus 7% gross, 17% pitney both. So that's all I have this week, uh, Vern. I, okay. What time uh, is you it? You're going to let me go? Yeah, you please. I, I think we're in the 80th minute. My best idea like is IBM. Oh, please. Ticker IBM. You know, okay. Several dozen to wade through. It would be good to know which one yeah, is your favorite. Yeah, thank you. Well, I think the listeners appreciate that. How many names was that? Four. That's Nine, all I did. Eleven. No, come on. Fourteen. Come on, you're wait. What are we going to do now? Are we going to do a beverage break? Yeah, a beverage break. Wait, wait, okay. wait. We have glass. Listen to this. Wow. Wow. Okay, Vern. R-O-K. You're up. I, I have a couple three-rated stocks. I'm going to hit them quickly. They're you know, both situations where the stocks are off highs, I think, on relatively modest issues in one of them. I, the first one, actually, Rockwell. I'm kind of wondering how much longer this company is going to be independent because they – Rockwell Automation now, symbol R-O-K, value line rates at three. They lowered their rating in September. The stock's down almost 25% since I'm high and. Uh, the spring of last year uh, that actually coincided with some um, significant insider selling. So one little hmm. red flag there. But 16 times earnings at $61 with almost a 2% yield. Uh, what does Rockwell do? Oh, I'm sorry. Rockwell's I don't know what they world do. leader. World ah. leader. Okay. So I've got exposure I don't see to, their uh, stores around uh, much. With uh, imp- uh, improving uh, industrial activity in Europe. They have big business there as well. Two operating segments, control systems, 82% of sales, power systems, 18 but values value line observes here. They sold power systems, so that's gone. That was basically a motor business. <laughs> and with that, Rockwell had a uh, – you know, people have heard of Rockwell axles in the truck business. I've there heard of Rockwell. Auto parts business there. That well, they, they built the space they shuttle. They sold in 97. In 98, they sold their semiconductor business. 2001 – they exited the uh, aerospace. Yeah, you just lose track of what they still own, I which guess. Which was Rockwell Collins, which actually trades publicly. They had an auto business or something. All that like stuff's that? gone right. now. Okay. And so it's I lose all, track. It's all uh, automation control systems, basically. Oh, right. Okay. Which means if you have a factory, they've got all of the electronics gear that's running all the sophisticated machinery that does everything now instead of people. Because somebody's got to do that. And somebody has to do it, and they do it better than anybody else. And that's why they have return on capital now well north of 20% instead of the, well, it was all over the map while they were selling these businesses, but, I mean, it bottomed around 8% as they let avionics go and in the recession 2001. So they've come a long way. The stock's really done quite well. But at this point, now with power systems gone, 10 billion market cap, almost another billion of debts, about nine times enterprise value to EBITDA, it's the kind of thing that uh, somebody like GE might buy mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because it is a it is a growth story. This is pretty good be, returns uh, there. They are a leader in a a segment of the industrial world where the you know the uh, the proprietary content, the internet intellectual property, is the design and software, not the physical hardware of what they're handing you. So um, this is a this is a global franchise that's a pure play now with. Incredible return on capital. Value line saying that return on capital will 
uh, shrink, I guess, as the equity base grows, towards 15% in their 09 to 11 alternate parallel universe with an unknown time in the future. Yeah, seven and, years. Uh, <laughs> whatever it is. And I, I just think that huh. they, they buy back stock. I mean, they'll, they'll, there's things they can do to keep the return higher than that. How uh, is their return so high? It must be... They must really be doing a good job. Yeah, yeah, well, if people you help make people money, they don't mind if you make a little money too. So, are okay. Take advantage of it being down on concern about the uh, durability of the U.S. economic recovery, which uh, ultimately will be proven uh, by events to have been overblown. Overblown. Um, similarly, no uh, Texas Instruments, symbol TXN, also value line three rated stock. Here are this is on page 1080. The market cap is 43 billion almost. There's no debt. There's maybe a billion in excess cash. This one works out to eight and a half times on an enterprise hmm. value EBITDA basis. This one, 17 times earnings at just under $29. Also a discount to the market. Not quite as much yield. Stock down well, about $5, around 15% over the last, looks like, 10 to 12 months. Um, but it's under 29 The lowest high... For this stock in like the last eight years is $32, and it's consistently been able to trade into the mid-30s over the last couple of years. I fear it, the value line mentions slower sales of semiconductors. That's what they are now, according to value line, leading supplier of digital signal. You might have heard of the digital movement that trends mm. towards digital product. They make digital signal I don't know if that's really going to be sustainable. And analog devices. Markets, electrical controls, educational productivity solutions, and materials um, management. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Cap re owns about eight percent. No, management doesn't own much of it. Anyway, I they have the ability to push return higher. It's mid twenties as it is right here. The thing I don't get about Value Line's rating system sometimes. Yeah. If you look at the average PE that they're forecasting yeah. out in this nine to eleven period, it's they, always they hot. say it's going to go from seventeen or nineteen or twenty where it's been lately to twenty three. Yeah. Well, if you multiply that by their at some point in the future earnings estimate of right. two dollars and thirty cents. Yeah. I have a fifty dollar stock. Well, that's it's right in the middle of this range. Now. You know, Value Line. I don't know that we've revealed this before, but Value Line in the very top right of your page, they have this little dotted zone. That's their price target zone. Yeah, it works out. This company uh, spends a lot of money on research. They've got a lot of interesting new products constantly coming to market. There's, uh, you know, some stuff in. I've seen it before. Value Line talks about some of the Texas new stuff Instruments. Now, what are they really TSM. on these days? Phones. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid I don't um, – I can't speak specifically to applications. Let's see. Banks. Ah, okay. I think, they're, uh, I think they're, they're doing pretty well in the phone business, right? Xerox or maybe in the digital entertainment business. Perhaps. I'm thinking chips may be used in DVRs or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But remember, they, they used to make the calculators. That was great, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> About 30 years ago. Because I used to make a great calculator. Right. All right. But uh, these are both. I had nine times on Rockwell. I got eight and a half on Show Texas seems to be slowing down, Vern. Yeah, what should we, we do? dragged down here by looking for product details. Oh, man. Texas Instruments. Stay uh, with us, people. The best is last this is, here. This is exciting. Value line rate Wait a minute. Xerox Wait a minute. Dun-dun-dun. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so do I. I, I wow. Like this one. And this one works out after adjusting for some excess cash on their uh, – Fairly heavily uh, levered balance sheet, 
I come up with about 8.0, times enterprise value to EBITDA. So the cheapest of the three. That's pretty good. 15 times earnings at uh, right about $17, almost a 20% discount to the market. Stock's been working some. Um, sales mix getting healthier, according to Value Line. They're showing 7.5% uh, cash flow growth and almost 15% earnings growth for their uh, five-year growth forecast. Nothing but positive comps in their little quarterly model. So everything basically, apparently, going swimmingly. And here's another situation where um, I think they're understating the potential growth um, in earnings and cash flow here because with almost 50% debt to cap, there's a fairly significant interest bill that's penalizing earnings per share growth. Sure. Mm -hmm. And free cash flow, for that matter. And uh, Value Line has long-term debt going bound by $250 million in 2007, and then only by a billion over the next two to four years. But free cash flow here is $1.4 billion. It's big. And if you could just spend a billion, um, I, you know, the way I figure it, you've, you're adding it, well, Something like a dime to your uh, earnings growth number, which going from a dollar five to a dollar seventeen, or going from a dollar five to a dollar twenty-seven, makes a pretty big difference. Well, in terms of the multiple you're apt to get the next year. Yeah, right. And it's only uh, eleven times free cash flow on the value line estimate. So, um, not a lot of capital spending requirements here. That's a key to looking at this one. Uh, returns been improving. Value line says can go from nine percent to ten and a half. Once you repay the debt, you can operate with a much smaller capital base. And all I can tell you. That going to be a lot higher than just 10% higher than it is today. All so. I can tell you, Vern, is I've got an office full of people, yeah. and the most expensive thing we have is the copier. It was like $8,000. We had to sign all kinds of things. And it does everything, and it's you the can't move it out once it's in. Today. It says equipment sales, mainly color and high-end, blah, blah, about 30% of revenue. Supplies and document management outsourcing, 66%. Two-thirds of the business is, is now, razor blade yeah. and related services. Yeah. Not a bad business. Selling for almost a 20% discount to the market because the market is, I guess, confused. Well, and they've got the brand. So if in the commodity yeah. world, if Inst you've got the brand, people are going to come to you. So, all right. So Xerox so, is the name we like the best over here on this side of the table. Really? Behind this mic. Over here, uh, Val, I, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm surprised to hear myself saying this, but I guess I have to say I like IBM right here. I think they're, you look at the relative multiple chart, well, I, it's a, I don't know, it's, it's a discount, it's nine IBM, times cash flow, something. they've got a service business. It wasn't a great week what's for me. What's value line rated? Well, they have it a two, that's what's disappointing what's in the myself. Price? Now, if you want something sexy, yeah, good. something sexy from Val. Franklin Electric, F-E-L-E. -E. It's a, it's the thrill in Manila between Franklin Electric, ITT, and Pentair. It's an exciting, I mean, if you're into this kind of thing, but so it's an exciting business story. It was, but that was just 10 points ago. It's There's more in it. Okay. Ten points there's ago. more in it. There's, I'm not selling no, it. I, I, I own it today. I, today I chose yeah, not to sell it. on the line here. We, well, I mean, whatever. I don't know. Bum advice. But, uh, no, I like it, Franklin okay. Electric. All right. So we'll say that's it then for this week's show. That's Value it. Line Observer. Signing out. Here. Right? Val, Val Hughes over there. Yeah, and, over here. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank and, you. Uh, we'll be with you again soon.